What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the fourth episode of the Happy Hour podcast. And I wanted to say a brief thank you for uh, hitting 226 total streams, which is kind of crazy to me. Did not think it was going to take off like that. Sorry, it has been two weeks since last episode. Been caught up with a bunch of schoolwork and everything in this uh, pandemic, you know. Didn't really have much else to do. But tonight, we are featuring my very own father, Stephen Smith on the podcast so dad go ahead and say what's up to everybody what's up everybody what's up everybody very enthusiastic you should be a great time all right so dad uh you've lived a very interesting life so i know you've got a lot of stories to tell a lot of wisdom to drop on the many listeners so let's go ahead and start with your uh your childhood i know you moved around a lot you've been in a bunch of different places so let's go ahead and start from uh square one and see where the stories take us I think I've lived a pretty boring life, Caleb. Not exciting. I was born in Decatur, Illinois. So I was born a Yankee when our family went on a trip to Williamsburg. My oldest sister, Denise, is senior year of high school. I got a, um, I got me a union cap because I, I was born in the North. Um, but as I was in elementary school, I read I got into reading a lot. One of my favorites was an old book called Rifles for Weight. It might have been Wyatt. I think it was Wyatt. About a 300-something page book I read in elementary school, but I would read every Civil War book I'd get my hands on. So but I was born in Decatur. That's just a little North history. We moved when I was six months old. My dad was the state youth director of Illinois. He took a pastorate in Hylia, Florida, Interesting fact about Hialeah, I just read the other day, it has the largest Cuban population um, now, but we lived there, we moved there in 1964, um, that summer, and we lived there till I was, um, I think I went kindergarten or first grade, neat story about kindergarten, my two older sisters, Denise and Sharon, they wanted to make me the smartest um boy in the world so I could maybe one day be president or something so they taught me how to read and they taught me how to write in cursive um, before I ever went to kindergarten and um, so when I went to kindergarten I could already do everything they were trying to teach them and so the teachers came and they wanted me to skip kindergarten and they wanted me to just go on to first grade um, but my I guess my parents decided to just to hold me back, so I think I peaked in kindergarten, and it's been all downhill um, since then, but I used to, um, my oldest sisters were already born, Denise and Sharon, Sharon's four years older than me, and Denise is about six years older than me, and then while we were in Hialeah, I had two more little sisters born, Susan, she's about two years younger than me and Darla probably about somewhere around four five years younger than than me and so hi Leah just lived the life um I loved love sports my dad taught me from the beginning so they got me a helmet football pads and I'd just play um find other neighborhood kids play that um had one neighborhood kid Anthony Cristiano he was older than me it's always hard on your kids if they've got an older neighbor. Usually have trouble. 
Um, we bought in Hylia, um, Dad, the church bought an old house behind the church they were going to fix up. And they had paint there. Men were going to do something. And um, I decided I was going to help them out. And I was, we were going to paint it. And so I recruited Anthony to come help me paint that house. And we decided the first place you need to paint when you're painting a building is you usually start on the floor. That's the, the best place to start besides the ceiling or the walls. Just paint the floor. That's what we thought as young boys. So Anthony, I said, was two or three years older than me. So we started painting the floor. And after a while, um, Anthony decided to just paint me. And he picked up buckets of paint and dumped it on me. And my mom still tells the story. She's amazed that I was able to make it home because I couldn't open my eyes. But I found my, my way back home and got cleaned off. Got in a little little trouble for that. Um, <laughs> used to get in trouble for... We chased girls on the playground. And so when my dad drove by the school, they'd make us um, line up against the fence and... Um, I would get written on my report card. I'd get good grades, but they'd always say Stephen had to stand against the fence, I don't know, 10 times this nine-week period. So I had to work on... For chasing girls? Uh, I guess so. It's a trait you passed yeah. on to me. Yeah. Then we um, we had... The church was... We didn't have a paved parking lot. We just had gravel. And I remember one time I came home from church, after church was over, and I just started throwing rocks... And I evidently hit a bunch of cars in the church parking lot. I got in a little trouble uh, for that and had to earn some allowance money so Dad could get some people's cards fixed for throwing throwing rocks. That was um, Hialeah. What age were you there? We were there. Um, we moved when I was, I think, six to seven years old. We left Hialeah. And you moved straight to East Ridge? No, we went to Apopka. Florida. That was called the horticultural capital of the world. For those who at don't that know time, what no. horticultural means, yeah. meaning me, what does that mean? No, that's just what it was. There's <laughs> plants, trees. They had orange groves. Um, we had people in our church that had orange groves. That was neat. Um, Brother Dawson had a big one. Um, went to a, a popka. That's when I. I started playing playing ball. Um, that's one thing as a preacher's kid. That's one reason why your mom me planted the church is because being a pastor, if you're going to be a good one, it takes a lot of time, and you're on the go a lot. And so I loved to loved to play ball. And they had tryouts um, down at the high school on the high school baseball field, and um, I can't even remember how I heard about it. And um, so I heard about it, and I just rode my bike. That was about 10 blocks from the house. We lived right beside the church. I rode to the high school. Um, I tried out for the team at that time. They did it different in Florida at that time. It wasn't so much age-focused. You were still kind of bracketed age, but they would let it be by skills, too. So if you showed skills, they might move you up. And even if you were a little lower and you didn't show skills, they might move you down. And so I could always... um. I loved to field. I'd get my dad to hit me grounders in the yard all the time. I loved to field. I was always I'm probably a better fielder than a hitter. Uh, I I loved to catch ground balls. I loved the infield. And um, so they put me up in a league higher than my age because I could catch the ball. They put everybody on the bigger high school field. They hit your ground balls from third base, and you threw them out to first. And I caught all the ground balls, threw them out. So because of my fielding, I went up. 
But when I was younger, I was a little nervous about the, the pitching and getting hit by a baseball. And so I, um, I didn't swing. My first year there, I didn't, I didn't swing almost the whole season. I was either going to strike out or I was going to walk. And I walked a, I walked a lot, but I wasn't, I wasn't going to swing, swing the bat. But they had me in the lineup because I, I could catch anything you, you hit that way. And Dad had an evangelist um, for Old Church of God historians. There was a man, his name was Brother Slay. And um, he came to our church in Apopka. And he was already what you'd call pastor prime per se, but he's just evangelizing. And um, he stayed in the parsonage with us. And um, I'd listen to him and I'd sit around and he'd talk to me and he asked me about things. And I told him I played ball and I told him I hadn't got a hit. And so he told me this. I only had maybe one or two games left in the season. And he told me, he said, Stephen, he said, if you get a hit, now I think he's encouraged me to hit, to swing. He said, I tell you what, you write me a letter. This is, you didn't do a lot of calling, but he said, you write me a letter and I will send you a dollar. I don't know the terms, but back then, that'd be like somebody giving you a, a little kid a 10 or $20 bill. It, it meant, a, meant a lot. And, um, and so I went that last game of the season, and I just made up my mind that I was going to, I guess I had some motivation, and I swing, swung, and on one of my bats, I got a hit back up the, the middle. I think that was my only hit that season, but I wrote a letter to Brother Slay, this one reason, and that's why I want to always encourage you, whoever you're around, they may be a nobody, and you may be a lot older, you may be a lot younger, but I, I want to encourage you, Caleb, and your listeners to value people, and always take the time to value people, because I remember Brother Slay, I can't tell you a sermon he ever preached, but he, he told me that, I wrote him that letter, I got a hit, and he sent me back a dollar bill in the mail. And I'll, I'll never never forget that. You still have the dollar? I do not have the dollar. I got money. I spent money. That's yeah. that's what you do. But um, Some good wisdom. Good wisdom. I played there in Apopka. I went to school. I was in, um, we moved halfway through my first grade year, second, third, fourth at Apopka. Um, one of my stories I tell people um, we had music in Apopka. We had a ukulele band, um, and people in town. It was a small town, only 7,000 people. That's about the time Disney World was being built, but no, it wasn't really a big thing. Um, dirt roads, I still remember my address, 117 North Park Avenue. That was the address I lived in. Um, had some people behind us. They were the Jones family. Their dad was a he worked at a dry cleaners, may have been his own business. They had four boys and one girl. We had four girls and one boy in my family. Teddy was the oldest, Ronnie, then Stevie. He had kind of my name, but he was a year or two older than me. Then um, a daughter named Lynn. Um, then I, I would play with them. I remember my sister Susan came one time, and we shot her with a BB, and I got in trouble for um, for that. She's trying to tag along. I would go camping with the Jones, and we were in revival one time in Apopka, and they were going to leave, and Mom and Dad wouldn't let me leave early till church was over. So um, while church was going on and the preaching was going on, I got down underneath. I slumped down in my seat, and I got under the pews, and I crawled back under the pews to the back door, and I slipped out 
of the back door. And I went to the Jones and I thought, let's go camping. I'm here. And, uh, but before we could leave, my mom noticed that I wasn't in the service. Listen, if you got a, if you got a praying mom, you're going to get caught. I'm just warning you, all you guys, the Lord does it for a reason, but you're going to get caught. And my mom noticed I wasn't there. So she sent my sister Sharon to leave the service and go over to the Jones house and knock on the door and um, drag me back to back to church. But that was, that was one of the stories I had there. And then she whipped you pretty good. I always got whippings, Caleb. My go. mom would spank me, and then dad would spank me when he got home. But um, there wasn't much time. When I was in East Ridge, mom would give me, um, she'd go shopping usually. That was when Kmart was the big store, pre-Walmart and all that. But there was a Kmart in East Ridge. And um, if I was, she made me a chart. Don't argue or fight with your sisters. You know, make your bed. Um, I had to do some things, do yard work, whatever. If I did those things, I'd get a star. And um, she would tell me if I I didn't fight with my sisters or do something, um, she started, she got me a Hardy Boys book. And um, I read a bunch of those. I read that to you and Trey when you were growing up. I loved the Hardy Boys. And there, I can't remember, there's over 50 or close to 60 in the series. And um, I don't even think I got 20 of them. So that tells you how many times. I was I was good and got a, a Hardy Boys book, but I, I enjoyed that. But uh, in Apopka, we had this girl, her name was Pam. She was born with a physical disorder that she had five fingers on both hands, but instead of a, a finger, it was just like a, a nub and then just like a little circle on the on the top of it. And Pam not only had that physical disability with her hands, but she was a very... She was a very big girl. She's probably taller than most of the boys, and she was probably she's a pretty hefty girl. And part of our things in in um, Apopka, I remember my elementary school was Dream Lake Elementary. I could sing you the Dream Lake song, but I won't. I won't do that for you right now. Oh, thank but, you for sparing us. Yeah, but um, we do square dancing, and the teacher, I guess, she knew I was. I was a preacher's kid or something and I wouldn't cause a scene but when we do square dancing she would always have me be Pam's partner <laughs> and so that was that was real real fun and interesting but I loved Apopka yeah Apopka was Apopka was good had a little girlfriend from church she was two years older than me her name was Susie Bowman player yeah she was like um if you ever seen the old um cartoon Popeye the Sailor Man she was probably about like that um Popeye's woman she was a very thin small small girl so you jumped from Pam the big one to Susie the small Susie one the small one and I drive with her we had dad started a bus ministry most everywhere he went and we had one in Apopka and I'd ride that with um with Susie Bowman well, God you bless go. her there's God another little girl in the neighborhood named Brenda she was prettier but she didn't go to our she didn't go to our church. She give you the time of day. Brenda, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was she was a nice one. We play. There's a man named Jimbo, in Florida high in Florida high lie. I was gonna think of saying high Leah, but high lie. I don't know if you guys probably never even heard of it, Mm-mm. but it's a big sport in Florida. And Jimbo, he may have had a wife and she was gone, but he just lived with his dad. And high lie, he made it. I still got it. 
he made me, it's a weird looking thing. It's like got a handle and then it's like the shape of a moon and then it's, it's open, but it's a a small track. Yeah. You catch and you throw. Kind of like lacrosse. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, um, he would do that on the side of his like garage, which was wood and all the boys in the neighborhood, we would go out there and we'd play with, um, with Jimbo and he, when I moved, he gave me, I remember two things before I moved. The Jones, they took me to a place called Rock Springs. And you would just kind of get in it. It was kind of like a circle. And the current was so strong. You just kind of, it'd be almost like, um, what do they call those pools at hotels? That um, Hot tubs, wave pools. Yeah, that go in a circle. What are they? Uh, lazy rivers. Lazy rivers. Yeah. So it'd almost be like a lazy, like, you know where Kayla's mine is, hot tubs. Yeah, yeah, it's um. That's your. I'm thinking about taking that's Pam your podcast. That that's your podcast with somebody else, Caleb. That's message Pam that's, later. Um, that's the lazy, like the lazy river. But the Jones took me there, and then Jimbo gave me a highlight thing when go. when I left. But those so were that's good where all things. my lacrosse skills came from. Yep. old Jimbo. Yeah, he was good. All so right. let's fast forward a little bit later. You left Hialeah. Hialeah. At what age? Six or seven. Six or seven. And then you went, oh, not Holly, you went from Apopka to Eastridge. Eastridge. I was, it was the summer. I We'd finished fourth grade, and I started fifth grade in Eastridge. I still remember my teacher's name, Miss Sells in fifth grade, and Miss Avery in um, sixth grade. But, yeah, that started a whole new world. When I was in Florida, we didn't play much basketball. Um, didn't have a basketball goal at church. My friends didn't have basketball goals. We played football nonstop, and you just didn't worry about uniforms. You'd tackle, and you ran. And so I always wanted to be a running back, and we played baseball. And so I I did both of those sports. And when I we moved to East Ridge, in the church parking lot, they had a basketball goal, and behind the church, they had a tennis court. And in kind of like the fellowship hall, they had a ping pong table. So I, I kind of... When I fell in love with ping pong, I got me some ping pong trophies, Caleb. When I was younger, I could play some ping pong. I won all the championships at youth camp. I won in, in my junior high. Um, I, I could do that. And then um, I did, I started, loved to play tennis. One of my tennis stories is my parents' first, first racket I got was a Kmart All Pro. That's just a wooden racket. And um, that's when Jimmy Connors was big, and he had a Wilson. T2000 and Wilson T3000 was the the best one. But our family growing up, there's five of us. My dad didn't like make a lot of money as pastor. Mom, um, she would teach piano to make a little extra money. But with five kids, um, I, I think one time at East Church, my dad was just making thirty, forty thousand dollars. Um, that'd be inflation. That'd be a different number now. But we didn't have a lot of money, so what we did. For Christmas, you get, you know, mainly things you need. Clothes, shoes, outfits, um, maybe some games. But we couldn't afford to get everybody something they really liked. So every year, Mom and Dad, they had a big bag, and they did a bag so you couldn't tell what it was. And they'd rotate it from my sisters and me. So you kind of, sometimes they may do two sisters together, but they'd rotate it. So you didn't get, (laughs) you didn't get a good... You had to wait a while for your good gift. But I remember mine. One year, the big bag was mine. And um, I got a Wilson. I still got that tennis racket in the garage. You don't know how... People don't know how to play tennis today. You took one of those rackets the other day. 
the Wilson T2000, it's just, it almost be like a ping pong paddle compared to the tennis rackets they have now. The, the face of tennis rackets are so big and so powerful, but that was a old school racket, but I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. And I got me some Stan Smith, um, tennis shoes. Everybody says tennis shoes for everything, but those were tennis playing, um, shoes. But I started my, my journey at Eastridge, my first year there, um, there's a man, Larry Wilson. He just recently passed away, went to North Cleveland. But um, Dad got me on a football team. And um, our team, I've got my jacket in the closet in there. We were the Packers. And I always wanted to be a running back. I love the Dolphins. When we were in Hialeah, that's when, like, the Titans were a, a new club in Nashville. The Miami Dolphins were a new club in Miami while we were living there. So that's why I always loved the the Dolphins, the Bob Greasy, Larry Zonka. I want to be a running back. And um, I like the defensive end. There was a Phil Stanfield. He was number 84. So I took number 84 and I played defensive end and I played running back. And um, we won the championship game and I rushed for over 100 yards in the championship game. We beat the Rams. They beat us in the regular season. Um, and we beat, we blew them out in the championship game. And I still remember that, that game. And I got my jacket, the, the Packers that we did, that we did that. So, um, what transitioned you into basketball? Just cause we had that, um, we had that basketball court at the church. So I started shooting. Then we moved, um, cause I started liking it. I got dad to put a real nice goal, um, on the tennis court. That caused friction with the tennis players, but we put a real nice goal right. out there. And um, so I just started playing basketball all the time. And then when Dad, they built a bigger sanctuary, we turned the old sanctuary into a gym. And I had a key to that. And we just, we played, I mean, I played basketball non nonstop. I loved to, I loved, um, I loved to score, but I always liked to, to pass and um, make fancy passes and let other people score. I made the team um, in elementary school when I moved there. And But just like you asked me one time, when we were younger, when Caleb was younger, he asked me if um, me and him were albino. And um, we're close, but we're, but we're not. Nothing against them. We're, I think we're a little whiter than, um, than they are. But I have real white, white skin and... Um, I told the coach I was embarrassed. I started thinking about people seeing me out there with white legs, and so I told the coach I had to focus on my my studies. And I um, I didn't. I just played YMCA basketball, and I played in blue jeans, Caleb. And we beat we we beat we had some crazy guys. I was the only guy that could actually shoot on the team, and um, and I had one dude he'd shoot free throws, throwing it like a football. And he didn't make many, Caleb. His name was Todd Heatherly. If he watches this, um, there's some. We were a funny team. Yeah. But I, I finally, I, I played in high school. When I got to high school, and when I went to high school, it was just tenth, eleventh, and twelfth, not ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth. But when I got to, to high school, I um decided to not worry about it, and I went ahead and um played in junior high. I always had a chip on my shoulder, and I always wanted to beat the guys on the teams. And they had intramurals in our junior high. That's how I won the the ping pong, they'd have softball, but they had basketball intramurals in the PEs, um, P classes. And I, I got my team 
and um, we won the championship. And I did that. I broke my hand. Um, that's why I tell you not to fight. Fight fighting never goes like you think it's going to go. Um, I got in a fight. It was on a Wednesday night before church. Some dude in the neighborhood, and we started going at it. And I throw a punch, and he ducks his head. And so I just hit him on his head. And um, people always think they're just going to knock somebody out. And that's how you break your hand. And I broke my I broke my hand. And um, that I got in trouble for that, for not only getting in a fight and breaking my hand, but I did it on a Wednesday night while they're at while they're at church. And so, but we started the championship, but I actually won a championship playing with a, with a cast and we still won the, won the championship. Like father, like son. What year was I in school when I broke my hand right before our game? Yep. That was because you guys were out being stupid, trying to ice skate with your tennis shoes on the ice in front of the gym. Yeah. Yep. I remember that. Yeah. All right, so transition to your senior year in high school now. You're the captain of your basketball team. You've got a couple offers on the table to go play basketball. Oh, okay. So what okay. what made you want to decide not to pursue basketball and end up at, at Lee? No, I when I was my, my senior year, um, they um, Lee was going through transition. Now I'm trying to think. That's the second time I, I went back. Um, I had, they came and got me my senior year. I got to go at that time. Lee's biggest rival was Tennessee Temple and, um, Randy still, he was actually coach at Lee and he was a player when my sister Denise, um, was going there and was a cheerleader. Denise and Sharon would be there and, and I would go to Cleveland and, um, a friend of mine, Mark Bonner, um, he'd sometimes go with me and we'd spend the night at my grandparents' house. Um, Grandma Johnson, she, it was funny with Mark. She'd make us breakfast, and she was having trouble with her memory. And she'd make us breakfast, and um, we'd eat it. And she'd look over there, and she said, "said Aren't you boys? Don't you want something to eat?" And she'd feed us about three or four different times um, to do that. But we'd watch, we'd watch Lee. But Randy Steele played on Lee's teams there, and then I guess he was an assistant coach or something, and he came and got me my senior year and um, took me to a league game and um, I went and got to go in the locker room can't remember it's before and after um, I think we won the game and um, that, that but Lee was kind of going through some some transition um, I went with a friend uh, uh, William Petway he was a good guy his dad owned Petway Oil Company and um, I went with him my friend Dom, another friend named Lynn, friend named Rodney. I think they went to we went to UT Martin, and they got us. We got to go. They had a banquet before a basketball game. Ray Mears, who used to be the basketball coach at UT, was the athletic director at UT Martin, and um, we got to go. We took a road trip up there. Got to go to a um, a little banquet before one of the basketball games and talk to those those coaches. But I, I went to to Lee the first semester and um I didn't I really didn't get into it as much. I'd grown up going to youth camp and and stuff and everything and I'd always gone to a public school. Um but I just um I know this is your podcast and your buddies, Caleb. But um I just I I like people and I treat everybody the same. And I don't like people who don't treat people the same. 
and I just got to leave that first time and it just was it's a different world they're caught up in their um their clubs and um everybody they think they're somebody if they're in something I didn't like it my parents still pastored Eastridge so I met a couple guys just playing ball that's all I did when I got there and um I would drive home every weekend sometimes I'd drive home even before classes because I could get back and forth to Lee in 30-35 minutes and uh, so after my freshman semester I didn't really get into it um and so I I um left and went back home to UTC where all my friends I'd gone to high school with and I went to UTC for a for a year and a half there and um after a year and a half my dad accepted a position as an overseer so he's going to be leaving each stridge and um at the so I didn't wasn't going to have a place to live per se because they're going to be leaving and so I decided to go back to Lee at at that time and it's nothing against Lee I guess it's just things you, you think in your mind and so when I went back that time I was I was better better prepared that um you know I'd just be who I was and you know let them let everybody do their thing but I was going to do my thing and everything I did at Lee mainly surrounded um playing intramurals that that was pretty much the core of that and all of my true friendships from Lee they resulted from guys that I I played with one of the first teams I played with was a group they were Puerto Ricans and um we called ourselves TNT and um they had all the Puerto Rican girls they'd come over there and they'd cheer and, and loud we we weren't the best team but we could play I had a friend of mine Calhan from um, Florida and um he knew one of the guys that's how he introduced me to him and his name was tony tony's something in the church of god in um spanish missions or something he was a good guy and um we we played um with tnt but just just through intramurals and ball i made my friendships and um and had still know those guys i played ball with still close with them talk about the uh club you and your friends formed together a little bit about that. Well, I I play with with different guys, and um, a lot of my friends they were in um they were in the 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 clubs, and um, at one time I was going to be because my my brother in law and my sister and my family everybody went to Lee and they were in those organizations and I I was going to be and and nothing God bless them let everybody who who what they want to be but as I as I was there I just couldn't see myself necessarily just being identified with one specific group and and so my friends were in a club and um you got different leadership and different leadership harps on different things and they started harping on my my friends that I played ball with and um and I think they got a little over it and tired of it and so they um they hollered at me um the summer before um our our senior year and we decided to have um we we thought of some different names and we came up with Lelite and uh, we went back for our senior year and our goal was just to win win every sport and every game um i think our record that year was like something like in all sports 88 and 2 or 88 and 3 something like that we just did volleyball softball football basketball um and so we just got together we take We'd um, try people out. I mean, we took it serious. And uh, we had A team, a B team in different sports. 
and um, it's just something that that grew, and it just, it started off with sports, but then it just grew to friendships, and um, because we we had this one dude his name Ron Bo, he lives in Ohio now, he was in um, they were having what do they call those things the revivals each semester, um, uh, convocation, yeah, yeah, and he was he got up to testify and he was saying if I wasn't here tonight I wouldn't be here tonight. He wasn't meaning it funny. He was just trying to be serious. But we just said we gotta, we gotta get with that guy. So some some ways we may get some guys that everybody didn't think too highly of, but um we we befriend them and we befriend everybody and we we had our groups. We'd have our nights at our apartments. That's when Huey Lewis was big. We got our we do our own concerts and um, just entertain ourselves. We just. We'd rent out gyms. We did all kinds of things. We just had a good bunch of group of, of people. They asked us before I my senior year, um, they asked us if we wanted to make it. That's before they, they just had the two guys' clubs and the two girls' clubs, and they asked me if we wanted to make that a club. But we were all leaving at that time, and so we didn't we didn't commit to that. But it continued on um, several years um, after that. All right, favorite story while you were at Lee? What was the one about you and Uncle Ron throwing snowballs off the balcony and you hit your teacher? We had that'd be a good one. When they were building the when they were building the library, they had um, just big old dirt piles over there, Um, and we we got the guys on the basketball team and we went out and had some big mud fight ball fight up there. It's a torrential downpour and while we were in it and um, we had a we had a good time um doing doing that we um they lee used to have that main street down through there and um where the ped mall is now yeah yep. they they just had big old like round planters they had the old auditorium they had the cafeteria and then i guess they had um i guess north chambers was in the back and then tharp and cross that was kind of those those four buildings, and then um, uh, one night we were staying around there, and they said um, it was kind of a boring night. There's nothing going on, and um, we had some friends, and I said, "Will you give me twenty bucks?" And um, they said something stupid. I can't remember somebody trying just trying to. That's when you get in trouble. Is when you get bored, and so um, I, I said something. I can't remember. Give me twenty, thirty bucks. I said I'll go. I'll go um, streaking down this main street. And so they, those guys, they got 30 bucks. And so I didn't go completely, but um, I went down to the end of the street. I guess it'd be down there where the, um, the now the student union building is, that corner. And um, I, I took off running. But what I didn't know is while I went down there to take off my clothes before I was going to start running, um, my sister and all those guys, not my sister, that was later, um, some guys, they started going to all the dorms and knocking on the doors and they started hollering that somebody's streaking. So there was nobody on the streets, nobody. That's why we're out there talking. And then by the time I come running down through there, it's just like, um, it's like a parade and there's people out there hollering and yelling and, um, and I'm, I'm cruising through and, um, they all saw you running. They all saw me running. Then the uh, security, <laughs> they, I have to, I end up getting, they, they can tell who I am. So I just, I get nabbed. I get 99 demerits for that. 99 um, demerits. There, there were, um, about four or five of us guys. We got, 
99 demerits, and the um, Dr. Vess was the president at that time. And um, we started our own. That was one team we started. We were called the 99 Club. And every kid that would come to school, they wanted to get in the 99 Club. And we didn't advertise or anything, but they'd come and they'd say, what can we do to get in the 99 Club? And there's about, I can't remember, four or five of us that would, Callahan, one of my buddies was, you would make them was in it. No, we didn't make them street. We just we tell them to do That's stupid crazy. stuff, but they do whatever to get in. My sister Susan, after I got caught that night, she was going around her dorm and she took off her clothes and she'd go knock on the door and she said, "Who was that crazy guy out there that was doing that?" So I guess crazy runs in our <laughs> runs in our um, in it, our family. It's but. crazy how that story evolved because um, the some of the first guys who. Uh, started the fraternity that I'm in at Lee, there's a story to get into the oldest inner club in our fraternity is about guys who used to go streaking on the ped mall. And it's funny now how like you were the one of the guys who did that and you weren't even in it. And now they do that after you. Yeah, we did that. And then when we were in 99 club one time, Ron, your uncle, it snowed and we had a good snow and they had the old auditorium. They hadn't closed it up yet, but we went in there and um, you could get on the roof of the auditorium. And um, so we're up there throwing snowballs at people and cars driving through there. And so used to, it wasn't just Lee people, but town people would drive through there. And so there's some dude in a like an Impala or old Cadillac or something like that. He comes driving through there. And we, Venus car, we're, we're not against him. We're being in anybody's cars coming down there. But he gets mad, and he decides to get out of his car. And as soon as he gets out of his car, I don't know, there are four or five of us guys up there. We just started lighting him up in the car and everything. And he went crazy and ballistic, and something happened. I don't know if he called cops or security or something, but they start coming coming after us. So some of us were already in the 99 Club. That means um, one more demerit, and you're... Um, you're kicked out of Lee. You're gone. And so I knew I couldn't get caught with anything or, or I'm gone. So we started trying to get out of that auditorium. I remember that's, you don't have cell phones, but somehow I found a pay phone or something. And I called the dorm room my sister Susan was in. And I told her somewhere that I needed her to come pick me up. I don't even know. She didn't have a car, so I don't know how she did that. Or maybe I told her to go get my car. I can't remember what it was, but she came and picked me up. So it helped me get out of there. And she was trying to preach to me that I needed to do more devotions um, when when she was with me. When I think um, Aunt Susan may be the one that needs to do devotions. But that was one of the times I remember we were sitting there. It was 1986, my senior year. We were in the um, the dining hall, the cafeteria. That's where we'd all gather we used to make guys that wanted to be in our group. We'd start singing that John Denver song, Thank God I'm a Country Boy. And we'd, we'd get to the chorus. Um, and when we got to the chorus where it said, Thank God I'm a Country Boy, if they really wanted to be in our group, they'd have to stand up on a table and then as loud as they could, they'd have to go that, Woo, thank God I'm a Country Boy. That was one of the things that they would be in our group. They used Amen. to have... Um, like the p- big plastic, nice plastic cups, not like the si- the little ones we got, almost like a glass. And we started, we'd bust those on our heads. So when we were 
were real serious or trying to get people fired up, we'd bust those cups on our head in the in the cafeteria, um, just talking about people to do it. I had a friend, Scott Weaver, and another friend, I can't remember, it was Rombo or somebody else, and he wanted to be in our club, so we told him, I think this for Weaver was with us, but we told this guy to go dump some food on Weaver. And I'm telling you, people, they wanted to be a part of us, and so that this dude just goes and dumps food on Weaver, and so that starts a little little food action in the cafeteria. But one time we were sitting there in 1986, and it was the NCAA championship, and we're sitting in there for lunch. And it was me and um, Richie Hughes and Keith Sexton. We had a friend named Kevin Cecil we call Hammer. Um, that's another another story, looking at that Georgia Tech chair over there. That's how he got his nickname. But um, And Callahan was there with us. And Richie said, let's go to the um, NCAA championship game. It was going to be in Lexington at Rupp Arena, and it was going to be Georgetown, and they were going to be playing Villanova. And we're sitting at lunch, and so that means the game's going to start at like 8 o'clock, 8 or 9 o'clock, I can't remember which one. And Richie had a, um, like an Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme, um, and so we just decided that we were going to do it at the drop of the hat. Didn't have any tickets, didn't have anything, so... The five of us got in his car, um, and we took off to Lexington. I remember we, Richie got pulled over for a ticket once we got into Kentucky because we were trying to get there. So we get into um, Lexington, and um, we don't have a ticket. So we find ourselves to Rupp Arena. And Rupp Arena, it's like it was beside like a hotel. So we start going through the hotel, and we try to go downstairs, and we find doors. But everywhere we get, there's cops, and we can't get in. So we come back up around the top, and at that time, Rep Arena, I guess, had different panel doors that people would come out for, um, like, exits. They'd come everywhere, and so people would come out for smoke breaks. And so we're we're going, we're, we're talking to cops, and we ask a cop, said, do you mind if we, um, we go in there? And one of the cops on the outside said, if you boys can get in there, that's fine with me. He was on the outside. He wasn't on the inside. So somebody opened up, that's where you could still smoke and stuff like that. Somebody opened up one of those doors and we all took off um, inside. And um, and people got in different sections and I can't remember who I was with. We got toward the end of the game. I was down behind the, the bench of, um, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Villanova, but that, that game was one of the greatest games in NCAA history. Villanova shot almost 80% and they beat Georgetown with Patrick Ewing. Yeah, I was Georgetown dirty. was they were loaded. And uh, but we were in we were in that game and we got to see um see that game then had our friend Chris Callahan got so fired up and he's just a different breed. He's one of my best best friends. One of those guys you don't talk to him but if you did he's like a like a brother. But Callahan he could always be on the edge, man, and it didn't take a second. But we're walking, and he's he was fired up about that game, fired up about Villanova winning, and um, we're talking to some dude about some shirts, and the next thing we know, Callahan wanted to have some souvenirs, and so he just he stole um, a bunch of shirts that had Villanova and had the score and Villanova winning and hats, and he takes off. And um, he takes off, and this guy calls the cops. And so the cops are after Callahan. So um, we get in Richie's car, 
and we there's no cell phones. You don't know, and we're in Lexington. We don't even know where anything is. So for the next two hours, it's probably the cops are chasing Callahan, and we're trying to find him to help him, and we don't know where he is, and we're just going real slow up and down streets with our windows down and looking for him. And about two hours after the game, we're going down this one street, real dark, and um, some dude starts climbing. You know how you got driveways or something, and you got little pipes under a driveway? Yeah. And we're going down the street real slow. It's the middle of the night, so goodness, it may be 1, one o'clock later. We see somebody come out of one of those pipes and on the street, and it's Callahan's. And he's got all these shirts and he's got these hats. And so I, he just ran off from y'all. Y'all didn't know where he was? Well, no. We were all together, and he stole that stuff. Yeah, and then he ran off? Well, the cops are chasing him, so he's on the run. And y'all left him? No, I mean, he's on the run. He did this. He's just sitting there looking at it. We don't know he's going to do this. Yeah, yeah. And he does it. And so he takes it, and he's gone. No, we didn't. And so we're just, he's gone. He's running from cops. And y'all are still in Lexington. Yeah. And so he has no idea where he is. You have no idea where you're at. No, he's just running and hiding is what he's doing. And we're just trying to, trying to find him. (laughs) And we, a couple hours later, we do. A couple hours later? Yeah. And, um, he had to let the cops and everybody leave. But I still got that shirt and that hat, um, downstairs. Two years ago on Villanova 1, again. Yeah. I took the shirt out. It's like a halter now. I took it out and took a picture and I sent it to, you sent it to some Callahan. of those guys, Callahan, some of those guys that were um that were at the at the game. So that's just that is crazy. A couple of, y'all don't couple have phones. There's no phones, there's no way to contact. Just oh, going man. in. The first time going in, one of the guys got caught. And yep. two of the guys, Richie and Keith, they made it in. Then one of them got caught, so we went back to help that guy. And then we got back in a little a little later on. Through the smoking rooms? Well, I mean, it's it'd be like Thompson Bowling, yeah. all those exits around. But just one of those doors popped and we ran in. You couldn't do stuff like that today, but it was a different different time back then. Goodness you, gracious. You it. That's a this crazy story. And, well, we're going to have to make a part one and part two. We'll do a part two post-college talking about the serious stuff. I didn't realize I've only got a set time limit, so it's coming up on it. But um, for these last few minutes, is there any uh, words of wisdom that you'd like to drop on my friends in college based off of your time? Enjoy your time. I heard Caleb, we um, did a special thing. It was Easter Sunday, and we weren't around a table. Caleb had three of his friends up from Lee, and they were talking about their friends and the greatest times. And I can still remember that. So I say, enjoy this time because it's going to pass quick. It's going to be gone. Enjoy it and don't get too stressed out because life's going to happen. Trust the Lord. Don't do something so stupid that it messes up or ruins the rest of your life. But the most important thing, get your degree and enjoy your your friendships because those friendships, you can have friends, but you're not going to be together like that. So You're going to get married. You're going to have kids. And all those dynamics change, rightfully so, because your wife and your kids, they become your priority. So these things are going to change. So while you're there, get your degree, enjoy your friendships. Don't worry so much about what you're going to do or what you're going to do, where you're going to go. Enjoy those friendships. 
those are those are what is important and, and what matters. Just appreciate everything doesn't have to be perfect, but if you got good friends, you're you're gonna be okay. All right, there you go. There you have it. Uh hope you all enjoyed it. Like I said earlier, this will be part one. We'll do a part two later on with Pops talking about life after college, how he went to the ministry, ended up planning the church, and uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you soon.